Thank you, Sharon, and to the worship team for leading us today, for Sandra and Patrick as they've opened up our eyes to the idea of joy. Joy is a unique word. We'll discover that today and really sometimes misdefined in so many ways, especially in North American culture. We struggle with the understanding of what joy truly means. There are some things that we would say bring us joy, that we really enjoy, and there's things that we don't really enjoy, especially around the Christmas season. Someone gave me this mug last year. I won't say who it was, but it says Christmas and Hallmark Channel, the coziest time of year. There are things that bring us joy, and there's things that don't, particularly bad acting and poor plots. Psalm chapter 16. I really want to free people up today as you walk out of this place beginning to understand that you do not always have to be joyful. You do not always have to feel joy. Joy is a word very popular in today's tradition, but a word that I believe we can discover, not just now, but forevermore in a different way. Psalm chapter 16, begin reading in verse 1. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their uh, libations of blood or take up their name on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my, my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also, my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Father, as we go into this time of learning, God, help us walk out of this place having a better understanding of how we need to experience joy and how you've filled us with that joy. God, I pray for a blessing on each each person today as they hear what you've said on my heart. God, may the words that I speak today only be words that come from the time that I've spent with you and not from my own personal flesh, but from my spirit that lives within me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Jim, can you just bring my level down just a little tad there? I got my help. Well, do you feel joyful today? Do you feel like you're filled with joy? I would say in this room, I would say probably most of us do. But there's a level of, of, of or a percentage of people in this place, and you don't have to put your hands up right now because you just don't feel like it. You just don't feel the joy. Joy is a popular word. It's a fruit of the Spirit. If you can think back to some of the Scripture, it's a word that seems at the top of, you know, the dopamine scale, if you can think about that psychologically, that when we have joy, our, our levels are high. That chemical that gives us the feeling of pleasure. I was going through all my old Christmas cards as I begin to discern which ones I want to keep, which ones I want to kind of recycle. Because, you know, it's always a struggle, right? You get these Christmas cards and, and, and you're like, man, um, there's a lot of heart put into this one. And then you got others, you just realize they just gave you a card to give you a card, Right? Not saying that about anybody in this room particularly, but we do receive some cards. And I was going through some cards that I'm saying, okay, time to begin to recycle. And I began to count them up. And I began to read, reread every card and keep the ones that I'm saying, I'm going to keep that one. And as I went through the cards, I began to realize can you imagine? 57% of the cards I've received have joy or joyous or joyful written in them. Hallmark has been using these words for a long time. They sell Christmas cards, the joy, or joyfulness, or joyous. The way the world sees joy is a little bit different than I believe the Bible tries to explain it to us. See, a lot of people, when they think about religion, they would, on the outside looking in, see us as sometimes joyless people. What I mean by that is if you begin to consider some of the things that bring worldly joy, especially in North America, the church has spoken against it. I'll let you think of a few things in your mind right now where people would say, no, I, I don't, I'd prefer not to join your church because I would have to stop doing this. And it brings me joy. That's a North American concept. I began to look at book titles with the word joy in it. Things like the joy of minimalism. Sounds good. The joy of cooking. We're all familiar with that cookbook. The joy of accounting. <laughs> the joy of strategy. The joy of missing out. The joy of drinking. The joy of art. Or check this one out. It's a true book. The joy of quitting coffee. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I do not see how that would actually bring my wife and I a lack of joy in particular. And then there's this one book by Annette Greenway. The Joy of Atheism. The Joy of Atheism. I decided to check out the words in this book, and this is how it came up. In my digital book kept saying, Loading. I think the picture's up. Loading. There is no joy in atheism. I must say that as we begin to dissect this word, joy is a word that needs to co-relate to our relationship with God. The way we see God is the way we see joy. 
There is no separation. The word joy is actually a noun. You can use this as a verb, but primarily as a noun when we begin to sing it or begin to to define it. A, A noun that says it is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Joy. I've been told, even today, by Patrick, that it is something that is a word that goes beyond being happy. And that word happy is something that I put in bold letters because happiness is something that comes along with joy, but we're not always happy when we feel joy. I've preached it. I look back on some of my sermons saying the words that as a follower of Jesus, you always have joy. No matter how you feel, you always have joy. But there are times in my life I would have to admit to the fact that I didn't even want to feel joy. I was in those mindsets where I'm like, how can God even let this happen? Mindset. There is something about joy that also goes as a human being to the feeling, I just want to be angry in this moment. I just want to be frustrated in this moment. I just want to live life with with my own sorrow in this moment. And then the angel comes down in the book of Luke. The angel comes down and makes an announcement about the birth of Christ And he told the shepherds that this news would bring great joy to the people. Joy. It's so much deeper than happiness or excitement. Real joy does not originate from within. It's not produced by humans. It is a special emotion that comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy is dependent on your relationship with Jesus. Rather than who we are or what's happening around us, when we are connected with God and the Spirit, we experience true joy. But I know that there are moments in our lives when joy is the furthest thing from our mind. And we don't even understand what joy is, nor do we want to. I hope you know what I'm talking about, or to be honest with you, I hope you don't know what I'm talking about, because if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never understood the pain of not feeling joy. There are words that we don't know what they mean in the English language. There are words that are misunderstood in what they mean. There are all kinds of them, joy being one of them. And then there are words that we've maybe never even heard of and have no idea what they mean at all. Like apricity. Ever hear of the word apricity before? I experienced apricity yesterday. Apricity was, well, my family was up on top of a mountain with the sun shining down. It was probably plus two degrees, so it was a little chilly, but we got up on the mountain and the sun was shining. And the sun was warming us way beyond the two-degree feel of the outside. The word apricity refers to the warmth the sun has in the winter, particularly when felt on a cold day. It's not commonly used, or if ever, but it is beautifully captures the specific understanding of the sensation. And although it feels cold, the sun is there. And if we allow the sun to shine on us and not be captured by the shadows, we feel the sun and its warmth. 
correlate to that to the relationship we have with Jesus. If we remove ourselves from the shadows of the world, no matter how cold it feels, we will always feel joy. I do not think we struggle with defining joy. We more struggle with defining the grace that God gives us when we continue feeling joy. Once we think we have figured it out, we probably are further from the truth of what God is expecting us to understand. That's the way it is with, I believe, all of Scripture. Once as believers we say, no, I think I've got it figured out, I believe God is saying, no, you're farther from the truth than you can ever imagine. Like the word literally. A lot of us say, I take the Bible literally. One of the most common misunderstood words is actually this word literally. It's often used in a way that contradicts its actual meaning. Like literally or um, let's, let's go to the idea of it means something that is true in a strict or exact sense, literal without exaggeration or metaphor. However, it's frequently used to informally intensify a statement, even when the situation described isn't precisely true or exact. For example, I was literally starving. When the person was not actually starving, but very hungry. Or her head literally exploded. Like we use this word, and I believe it's the exact same thing with joy. This misuse has become so widespread with literal that dictionaries now include a secondary definition of literally to acknowledge its informal usage to emphasize exaggeration or metaphor. However, this evolution in language doesn't change the fact that the original meaning is often misunderstood or misused, literal. So let's go to literal joy for a second. What is joy? So here's where I began this journey. Very similar to the word grace, I'd often say with the word grace, grace is a personally defined word. You cannot define grace and have someone else understand grace without your personal experience. Here's where I've seen grace in my life. That's the definition of grace. The way God has poured out blessings upon you even when you didn't deserve it or expected it. Here are some general tips that might help to cultivate the feelings of joy. They would say, you've got to feel gratitude, mindfulness, and presence. Pursue activities you enjoy, connections and relationships, positive thinking, help others, physical activity. These are some ways that you can experience grace. But remember, finding joy is a personal journey. And what brings joy to one person might not necessarily work for another. So we need to experiment with different activities and strategies to discover what resonates with you and brings you genuine happiness and joy. It was a popular word in the Old Testament. This word simcha, it's a Hebrew word that again translates joy and that's how we as English translate this word simcha. In Judaism, simcha is highly valued and celebrated as a positive and fundamental emotion. It encompasses feelings of gladness and sense of celebration. Simcha is often associated with special occasions such as holidays, weddings, births, and other moments of communal or personal significance 
where people come together to express happiness and rejoice in the blessings of the life. I would say that the Hebrew definition would be very similar to be the way we have a, a feeling of joy in North America. We're going to experience lots of joy as we gather around the supper table in the next couple weeks, you know, celebrating the Christmas season, and we're going to feel the emotion of happiness and joy. And that was the way it was in the Old Testament. Joy was a joyous experience. It came with celebration. But as a Christian, there was a definition change that we didn't quite grasp when the angel showed up and said there will be great joy for all people. He wasn't saying that there's going to be an endless party here on earth because guess what? We still live in a broken world. We still have pain. We still have death. We still have illness. But as joy, it becomes a quality, not simply an emotion. It's grounded upon God himself and indeed derived from Scripture. It characterizes our life as a Christian here on earth. And again, the closer we feel to God, the more joy we receive. But that's tough to swallow. That's tough to swallow because there are times where I just do not feel joy. And does that mean that I don't believe in Christ in those moments, that I'm not close to Christ in those moments, that Jesus isn't close to me in those moments of pain where I just do not feel like having joy? What does Jesus say about this? John chapter 15, 11 says, My joy may be in you, and your joy will be complete. That confuses me. I don't quite get it, Jesus. You're saying that if your joy is in me, I'm always going to feel it? John chapter 16, verse 20, Jesus continues with these words. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn. While the world rejoices. What? These are Jesus' words. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Ouch. You will grieve. But your grief will turn to joy. Jesus goes on to explain the childbirth of a mom. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So let's go with that definition a little bit, just for a second, a state of being. Jesus said we will mourn. We will have sadness while the whole world is rejoicing around us. The church has created a vacuum of joy in some ways. I know when I was going through the greatest grief in my life, when I would have conversations with Christians, they would often talk about the joy I should be feeling. And at that moment, I literally wanted to punch them in the face because that's the way I felt. I don't feel joy right now. I feel sadness and I feel hurt. And I think we've all been in that place. Paul says in, the, in Corinthians that joy has no bounds, but I feel the bounds. 
There are certain areas that we can't enjoy life. Because, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I remember talking about Santa Claus one time up here on stage, and I was told by someone, you got to stop talking about Santa Claus so much. I'm like, you know, Santa Claus brings me a lot of joy. I know him. Do you know him? Like, really, literally, I love Santa Claus. I don't want to stop talking about Santa Claus because he brings joy, makes me feel joy. And there's certain festivities when you bring this gentleman into December 25th, there's this feeling of joy. There are certain festivities that come along with that. Again, another man that knows Santa Claus well is Elf. I love Elf. I love the joy that Elf brings. And so this past Wednesday, we had an opportunity as a youth group to celebrate some of the things that Elf brought into our lives, like eating spaghetti with maple syrup and chocolate and marshmallows and and, and chocolate chips. So we did that on Wednesday night. It was fun until I woke up at 3.30 in the morning with no joy at all. And I don't know if it was from the spaghetti or the entire can of Coca-Cola I downed within 20 seconds so I could see how long I can burp. On a, I don't know what it was, but it was something that took the joy away from me. But again, joy has no boundaries. But one area I have been told I need to discover joy is in the trials. I've been told as a follower of Jesus, that when I'm going through my darkest trials, I need to find joy. I've been told by followers of Jesus that when I'm dealing with the death of a loved one, that I need to find joy. Here's where I struggle with this. This this Christmas is going to be hard for some people. Christmas is actually hard for a lot of people every Christmas. There are a lot of people that do not find joy during Christmas. And a lot of Christians would turn to James chapter 1 and, 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 and speak these words. And in compassion, they would speak these words, I'm sure. And, and James says these words, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And as a pastor, I've preached these words. That even if we're going through the darkest trials, we can find joy in the moment. I just need to breathe through that for a second and apologize for even having spoken those words. And some of you guys are confused right now. Brian, what are you talking about? You can find joy in the trials. And I'm like, hmm. But it's really difficult. If not impossible sometimes. James is also talking about trials here that are self-inflicted. James isn't just talking about trials of death and suffering. James is talking about trials of addiction, pornography, things that we are self-inflicting ourselves with. He's talking about consider a pure joy when you go through the trials of of whatever it is, self-inflicted trials, which makes me go, isn't that weird? 
that we're supposed to find pure joy when we are in the depths of our own self-infliction of addiction? Am I supposed to find joy when I'm high as a kite or low as, that's self-inflicted? So here's where we begin to dissect the scripture just a little bit. So let's think about those trials that I just talked about, the self-inflicted, but also the uninflicted by self-trials of death, car accidents, cancer. Those aren't self-inflicted. They're a evidence of a broken world. Find joy in those situations, my brothers. No, let me just dissect this and jump in a little bit. I'm a person that used to love watching sports highlights a lot. I'd wake up in the morning and Sports Center was a big part of my life. I'd, I'd watch Sports Center and I would, I would I'd just, I'd, I'd, I'd capture some of the highlights of last night's games. I'd look at the video from past events and catch up on current news. We do that with news. We do that with the newspaper. We do that with the radio. The word joy is followed by this word that James uses. This is where we have to dissect Scripture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. This word face is the important word here. In English, we have three tenses, right? English teachers, help me out. We have... Past, present, and future. We have three tenses, right? We, have, we, we, we can only explain, and the scripture that we read in English can only explain past, present, and future. That's all it can do. So in this, we're reading, whenever you face trials of many kinds, we as an English read that as what tense? Present. We, we, we read it as a present tense, don't we? We read it as, as when I'm going through a trial, I have to have pure joy. Consider pure joys when in the present you're facing a trial. This word face is actually an aorist word. It's an aorist tense. The aorist tense is like I was just telling you about watching SportsCenter, watching a previously recorded highlight of something that's happened in the past. I'm watching something that's already happened. I hope you're following me on this for just a second. I'm watching something that's already happened. Whenever you watch something that's already happened, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you're going through a self-inflicted situation, you're not going to find joy. Whenever you're going to go through a suffering, joy is going to be difficult to discover. But when you look back on that situation in your life, Several years ago, on the 18th of December, I lost my father-in-law to an illness that he'd been battling for seven years. That was a difficult time of my life to find joy. Twenty years ago, I lost the love of my life to a car accident. That was not an easy place to find joy. But 20 years later, I look back on that situation, and I can see God in that moment. I can look back on that story. I can look back on that situation. I can look back on that Christmas several years ago when I lost my father-in-law, and I can begin to see God. I can begin to see how God was holding my wife's hand. 
I can see how God was, was, was there in the moment, how joy was present, how pure joy was present in the situation that I was ab- unable to find joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you look back on the most difficult times in your life and see how God was working. That's what Jesus did when he came to earth. He came to earth, lived 30 years of his life, and he probably didn't experience a whole lot of joy on the cross. He probably didn't experience a whole lot of joy when he was spit on. And he was hanging there, there was probably very little joy. But as he sits up in a place where he looks down at all all of us and he looks back at that one moment in time, he discovers pure joy. We don't need to find joy in the moment. I want you to be free of that right now. If this is a Christmas where you're struggling with the things that suck the joy out of you, know that joy will come when we look back on the event. Meaning that I have found the joy, not during. So you can be sad. You have permission to always be sad when you don't feel joy. It's not a state of mind in the most difficult times of our life. It's a gift given that celebrate all that God has done and continues to do in your life. I believe Psalm chapter 30 captures it well. And as the worship team comes up, I want to read Psalm chapter 30 with this whole mindset of aorist tense in mind. That as you look back on the things of your life that you didn't feel joy, you begin to discover. I will exalt you, O Lord, For you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up out of the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Pain may last temporary, but joy will come when you look back and see how God was working. Let's sing this one last song as we go into this season and discover how God is continuing to work in our lives. Oh, come all you faithful.
Amen. Well, I was just thinking about it just now, just the idea that, you know what, if you do have something to be joyful for, you better smile and enjoy those moments. And when you look back on things, when we do look back on things, there are two things we learn from them. We learn how God made us stronger, and we learn how God was with us. So you know what? God is with us. God, Emmanuel, I believe in that with all of my heart. Although I don't always feel it, I do believe it. All right? So go in this place right now and enjoy the season. If you're struggling right now and finding joy, first step, pray. Talk to the God who felt the exact same pain. And you will discover the joy, the pure joy. Maybe not right now, but over time. So, Father, as we go and we continue to discover joy, I pray that this new revelation of this idea that we don't always have to feel it is something that we kind of grasp hold of. But know that although there is a struggle at the night, there will be joy in the morning. Thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. And as you go from this place, I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you strength. Thanks for being here. And bye for now. And next week, next week, 11 or 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock. We got two services. I can't wait to see you on Christmas Eve. It's like seven days away, people. Merry Christmas. Yeah.